You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. But uh, it's good to be here this morning. My name is Kenny Izuchuku, if you didn't pick that up on the video. And I've been uh, leading here for the last six or seven years now. It's crazy to think how long it's been. But it's good to be here this morning. I'm so grateful that you all could come if you're online I'm grateful that you are you are here as well. We don't want to forget you guys. Um, it's Pride Month. And even though we as a church don't celebrate it the same way the world does, we do have members of this community who identify as LGBTQIA+. So I want to make sure to affirm all those people that have stayed faithful to Jesus despite the identity politics we have in our culture Thank you. We see you and we love you so much. We love you so much. I've had the pleasure of mentoring and discipling many in this community. And it's been so faith-building for me to see how they fight to stay faithful to God, despite what the world wants them to be faithful to. So I want to make sure that I communicated that as we get into the lesson. I was just in the D.C. area uh, celebrating my mom. And here are some pictures. She just graduated from National Defense University. So uh, it's now public. She is now a general select, meaning as soon as someone retires or dies, she might get promoted. So hopefully it's the former, not the latter, you know. But, you know, death is a natural part of life. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we were there for since Wednesday for graduation. We had a party on for, uh, for her last night. So I actually flew in this morning to be here so I could preach uh, Steve and Carrie are on vacation. So uh, I wanted to come in and make sure that I, I honored them uh, before I, I, I step away here for ministry. So, Mom, if you're watching, love you so much. I'm grateful that we got to spend that time together. She made me dress up in my uniform, so I'm a chaplain in the Air Force. I didn't want to, but, you know, when your mom tells you to do something, you do it. 99% of the time. There's that 1% that, yeah. Today we're going to be launching, I have the clicker here, so I'm going to be using it. Today we're going to be launching a new series. And given the time that we have, we don't have that much time. So I'm going to just give you an overview. There won't be as much of a deep Bible reading that we normally do. So I want to apologize for that. But we, I am going to open it up and introduce it so that in the future when Steve and others speak, they will be able to go deeper. So you guys have a big picture perspective. And we are going to be diving into the prison epistles, or also known as the prison letters. Epistles is just a, a fancy word of letters, of saying letters. And it's going to be great because it's going to really open our minds and our hearts to what the Apostle Paul went through. Now, if you didn't know this, again... Oh, it's too soon. If you didn't know this, Paul was an apostle that went and made his mission about letting people know about Christ. So much so that sometimes he got in trouble with the law. And the prison epistles are simply the letters that he wrote while in prison because of how he went and gave his life in self-service to God. So he wrote them, we believe, when he was under house arrest. And in these letters, we get to see a different side of Paul 
that we don't really see in the other letters. So we as a staff decided we're going to break these down. Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and we're going to talk through how each of these letters, and Colossians, how each of these letters really brought to light a heart that Paul was trying to communicate. And the Apostle Paul is one of my most inspiring figures that I follow. Now, there's some debate about some of the things he writes, right? We can argue about that, what he writes about women, what he writes about different socio-political things. But no one denies that this man has faith in God. No one denies this man was willing to give his life for God. So as we do this, I pray that we can all focus on that aspect. Because in Ephesians, Paul indicates that his imprisonment makes the mystery of the gospel known and provides the example of trusting God in everything. In Philippians, Paul shares that his imprisonment had really served to advance the gospel and encourages others to believe and speak the very words of God. In Colossians, Paul sees his imprisonment as a way to make the word of God fully known to mankind. And lastly, in Philemon, Paul finds a way to make converts for Christ while in prison as evidenced by his relationship with Onesimus, the slave. So we see all these letters of Paul trying to still have an influence and an impact on the kingdom of God. The first three letters were written to churches. The last one was written to a slave owner, Philemon. And he's sharing and he's trying to passionately communicate that God is real in everything. He is present everywhere. And the reason we don't see him is because of our hearts. It's not because of him. And what I learn here and what we see in Paul is that even though his body was imprisoned, his soul was free. How powerful is that? No circumstance will hold you down. No life challenge will keep you away from having a freedom in Christ. He exemplified what it meant to be free. Last week I shared that I was stepping down as the associate minister, and uh, this wasn't a fluke. It's still happening, by the way. Some people ask me, like, did you, did you mess up there? Did you mistakenly say that? No, I don't. Really mistakenly say things like that. Thank you very much. I got questions asking why. So I'm going to briefly explain why. But as I explain why, I pray that you realize there's no way in the next 15 minutes, a little bit less than that, I can communicate it clearly. So if you're willing to sit down and grab coffee or lunch, I can talk to you about it all day long. It was not a quick decision. It was a long-time decision. The last three months, I felt like the opposite of what Paul felt like. I felt like my body was free, but my soul was in prison. So here I am trying to lead people towards Christ, but I am not experiencing what I need to experience to give to them what God wants them to have. That's a very dangerous position to be in. Now, this this wasn't a common position for me. When I made the decision to go into ministry, I vowed that I would never, ever become a liability to the church or to God's kingdom. 
I always wanted to be an asset. And as soon as I felt like that was changing, I had to make a change. That change happened these past three months. And over the past month or so, I realized that I needed to find a way to encourage my soul. It's not dead. It's just in jail. And as any good minister knows, if you continue to serve and devote time and attention to other people without dealing with your soul, it's going to destroy you and destroy the people that you lead. And there is no way that in the presence of God I was going to do that. So that is the quick PG-13 version. The rated R version will happen if you want to grab coffee or a meal, which you can pay for, by the way. Now that I don't have a job. For the next two months, I will be on sabbatical. And I will be uh, doing some stuff like this. Well, I will be going out and really resonating with God's creation and enjoying what he's done in my life, processing. I'll be meeting with a spiritual director, a Christian counselor, friends and peers as I work and process. Because, again, the goal is to get back to a freedom of my soul. And maybe some of you are feeling that way this morning. Maybe you feel like your soul is locked up and you haven't had the courage to share about it. Well, hopefully this can encourage you as we talk about encouragement with the Pauline letters here, the prison letters. So my first thought is that we have to keep a rhythm of life. This is something that I went away from, a rhythm of of life. And I taught this. It's funny. I was teaching this at the School of Missions. I'm teaching on spiritual direction and just these things that I feel like I've gone away from the past few months. So it was really cool teaching about it again because it reminded me of how important it is to really connect with Christ and keep a rhythm of life. What's a rhythm of life, you ask? <laughs> to schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that help us create a space in our busy world for us to be with Jesus become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. As John 10, verse 10 says, to live life to the full. In this kingdom and in alignment with our deepest passions and priorities. It's cool serving in the West Side. I love it. We have some very successful people here. And the goal is to help you in whatever profession that you have serve Christ wholeheartedly. But we cannot do that if we don't have a rhythm in life. There's one successful man in the church who I won't mention because he doesn't want me to mention his name, who wakes up every morning at 4 a.m. because he knows if he's one minute late, he will be distracted from connecting to God. That's what I'm talking about. It's these principles, these disciplines that, oh, this is hard. It's an obligation. I don't know how I'm feeling. But we do it because we see the big picture. Because we know that even though our bodies might be free, our souls need to be free. So what Paul does in the prison letters is he exemplifies how one can be filled with encouragement while enduring extreme circumstances. Now, this is something that everyone goes through, whether you're willing to admit it or not. 
I don't know everyone in this room, but I know that you've been through some extreme circumstances. Whether you're a Christian or not, you've been through some extreme things. How will you deal with those? If you don't believe in God this morning, that's fine. Do you believe in a soul? I think you do. Most people do. I'm only going to simply provide an avenue for you as a non-Christian to choose whether or not this is something that you'd like to help release your soul from the imprisonment that you likely feel, because most people feel this. What will you do about it? If you are a Christian, it's important because you know that your soul is intricately connected with your relationship with God. So if your soul ain't doing well, guess what? You probably aren't connecting with God very well. They're so closely knit together that we need to focus on taking care of it. Now, Steve Lounsbury, our head pastor, head minister, he was thinking through all these letters, like, what can we, can we a theme that we can talk through? I'm like, Steve, we're doing expository preaching. We preach a section, and then people take it as it is. He's like, no, we need a theme. So he talked about the theme being the summer of encouragement. I think it's pretty good. Right? I'll take it. And as I read through those letters, I'm like, okay, that works. But only if we define encouragement the right way. Encouragement is not about flattery. It's not about just hearing nice words about yourself. It's not about just loving yourself. Encouragement is given so you can have the courage to combat the contaminants constricting the connection to your soul. Encouragement is given so you can have the courage to combat the the contaminants constricting the connection to your soul. There are things that are polluting you every day, whether you realize it or not, keeping you from connecting to your soul. Your soul is the avenue that helps you connect with God. Yes, you can connect with God in many other ways. You can read scriptures every day. You can willfully come to church every week, but you're limiting the depth of how much you can connect with this almighty, all-great being when you're sidelining your soul. So today, I'm going to read just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 1. Just a couple. I could honestly talk about this for like two hours, but we only have now six or seven minutes. Ephesians 1 verse 1 reads this. Paul, an apostle of Christ, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Just 
just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Paul, while in prison, is clearly talking to the Christians in Ephesus. That's why he wrote this letter to them. And he's trying to appeal to their hearts here. And this is how he starts the letter, right? He starts by just talking about how he's an apostle who's been sanctioned by the will of God. It's all about God. And he's saying to the saints who are in Ephesus, he's calling them faithful to Christ. Faithfulness is not the same as perfection. It's about consistency over time. So he sees that and he's lifting them up. And then he says this line in verse 4 that struck me. He said, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Holy. What does it mean to be holy? It's something that I think our culture has a really difficult time fitting in, being okay with. We can read Old Testament scriptures of them taking such strict precautions to make sure everything is clean, and we see that as immediately legalistic. Legalism is only a problem when you lose sight of the will of God. When things become man-focused, man or woman-focused, and we lose sight of the will of God, then legalism is a problem. But when everything is about God, you will do anything to be holy. You will do anything to be set apart. It will make you cringe at the things that you watch on television. The things that our society laughs at. Because to be holy is to be without blemish. It's perfection. And as Christians, we know we can't do that perfectly, right? But we strive for it. And when we fall short, guess what we rely on? Christ. It's all about him. It's always been all about him. But we lose perspective. So Paul's reminding them. He says, before the foundation of the world, the world in Greek cosmos, before everything was created, you were chosen. Ephesians and disciples at large, you were chosen to be holy. I've set you apart. You can be clean. You can be pure. Is that what you want, though? Most of the time when I'm discipling people, meeting with people, it's never really about the standard. The standard is pretty darn clear. It's about the willingness. The heart. Are you willing? Every time I text people, say, hey, are you willing and able? I say, are you willing and able? I use those two phrases. 
You might not be capable of doing it. Physically, you might not be able to lift a box. But you might be willing to. Oftentimes, we are willing and able to follow Christ the way the Bible says. But we choose not to. So Paul is trying to encourage. He says, guess what? Before you were even born, before you even had a thought cross your mind, God set you apart to be holy and blameless. Now, this is fun. I was just with my family for a few days. And guess what? When you're with family in a tight space, the blame game starts to happen. Ooh, I got my good share. I've learned just to bite my tongue and just wait for the storm to pass. Like, it's coming at me. There's one time we're sitting at the table, and my parents are arguing about something about uh, the house and me taking care of the house. Their house, by the way, that I pay them rent for. But I'm taking their, – it's their house. It's their house. I just pay rent, you know. And they were at the table, and they were saying, Kenny this, Kenny that. And then my brother came into it, and then I'm like, he's quiet. And he just jumped in. And then my sister came into it, and I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh. Everything in me wanted to defend myself. But I, I, I said, you know what? Have I been blameless? Definitely not. I've made so many mistakes. I could count them. I knew. They didn't, there's things they didn't even know about what I've done, you know? I was accusing myself. So I had to be humble and say, you know, I have not been blameless, but I want to be. Help me learn. Teach me. And it transformed that interaction. The thing about us, Westside, and the thing I want to leave you with, is we have to be okay with people being in our lives and challenging the things that we are not blameless in. And we got to be honest with ourselves. And I'm not even talking about anyone specifically here. Do not get offended. I'm not thinking about anyone in mind right now. Actually, now I am because I'm looking at your faces. So I don't want to lie. But I'm not thinking about the things that you're not blameless about. I'm just thinking about you. He says, holy and blameless before him. And then this is the kicker. This is the stuff that we always miss. In love. In love. Everyone wants love, right? Love, true love, has come from Christ from above who said, before you were created, I've set you to be holy and blameless. Now go. Live that lifestyle. Do it. And when you fall short, it's okay. I got you. I'll take care of you. But don't use that as a way and excuse to keep doing the things that are wrong. Use that as motivation to strive better. You can be holy and blameless before God in love. So, that's just beginning the series. Hopefully it gets better after this. I won't now be gone for two months, but I'll come back eventually. Maybe I'll watch some of the sermons online. But the idea is that the Apostle Paul wants to communicate with the church very clearly that even though he's in chains for Christ, even though he's under house arrest, even though his body was imprisoned, his soul was free And your souls can also be free. Are you willing this morning, church? Are you willing to have your soul be released from prison and put back into the world so that now people can see you and glorify God? Are you willing to do that? If you are, 
and make some changes today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today, as we do the communion discussion, you have a chance to talk about this with the people around you. And the questions are as follows. What would it look like for you to be holy and blameless before God in love? Now, don't talk about your friends, their imaginary friend that doesn't exist. <laughs> talk about you and what that would look like. And then secondly, the harder part, who in your life can help you accomplish this? Is there anyone in your life that can help you accomplish Do you know anyone that can do that? So we'll spend a couple minutes discussing this. If you're new or if it's your first time and you don't want to talk, just tell the, just join a group still, but just tell them that you don't want to talk. You're just going to be observing and listening. If you're online, please call someone and uh, talk to them on the phone. If you're not with anyone, uh, obviously in, per, in person online, in person in your, in your home, wherever you are. You know what I'm talking about. But everyone else, spend the next five minutes in a small group of people talking about these two questions. All right? Okay, we'll come back in five minutes. All right, guys, let's wrap up our discussions and bring it in. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for the bread and the juice. So uh, let's all just collect our thoughts, finish that last sentence, say hello to the person next to you, whatever it is, and uh, we'll go ahead and pray. So if you guys can bow your heads with me. Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Uh, thank you so much for Kenny and speaking through him. Um, words cannot describe how grateful uh, we all are for someone like Kenny um, in his service to this ministry alongside Val and Justin. Um, thank you for using him uh, today to speak through to us, God. Um, and I pray that we can continue to meditate on how life would look like uh, if we were holy and blameless, God. Um, and that is a daunting task ahead of us um, to be in the pursuit of perfection. But Lord, we're so grateful for Christ and his sacrifice, God, and the grace that you've given us. I pray that we can reflect on all of this today as we take communion. It's your son's name that we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.